From the Annie E. Casey Foundation, I'm Lisa Hamilton, and this is CaseyCast. At the Casey Foundation, we work to build a brighter future for children and families. One way we do this is by investing in programs and practices that help connect low-income families with work or the education that helps them build a career. And Casey is far from alone in this effort, as you'll hear from our next guest. Sarah Currit serves as the Managing Director of SAMA School, a program of the nonprofit SAMA Source that aims to help low-income individuals become successful freelancers in today's changing job landscape. As Managing Director, Sarah leads a team of educators and social entrepreneurs, and she oversees, among other things, SAMA School's efforts to partner with workforce development organizations and integrate a very specific focus, navigating the gig economy, into their existing training programs. Welcome, Sarah. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, for listeners who may not be familiar with the term gig economy, what do we mean when we say gig work uh, or when we talk about the gig economy? Yeah, certainly. So um, gig work has been around for eons. I mean, everything from a music gig to babysitting and such. I think where we see um, the future is now has been really in how we're using independent work and freelance work and using digital platforms to connect to those. An app-based program such as Uber. Um, So I think a lot of what we are seeing now has been driven um, by technology and people really having an awareness of the gig economy. But it's truly been around, um, you know, for 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 eons, as I said. Are there particular industries where it's more prevalent? We know about um, driving services. We know about the handyman services. Are there other types of um, uh, concentrations of gig work? Yes, absolutely. So domestic workers, um, everything from those who would clean your home to those who would care for your kids, uh, we definitely see um, a a strong prevalence of gig work happening. You see um, platforms that are dedicated really to connecting work with nannies and such. Um, Also, IT as a specialization, you see... um, Uh, platforms like Fieldwork that allow those who have a more specialized um, skill to actually monetize that. Um, And then, of course, it runs the gamut. You you see things in in the creative. Um, Let it be someone who's going to do your your website if you are just launching a business to creating flyers for an event. Um, And, of course, you know, walking your dog spot. (laughs) That's interesting. So are gig workers and freelancers the same thing or are these different? (laughs) Yes, that's a great question. And I guess it all depends on who you, who you ask. Um, in essence, they are the same. They're both independent contractors. But you could say a gig worker is a freelancer, but you wouldn't necessarily say a freelancer is a gig worker because of how they're looking to find their work. So gig workers tend to really work um, with uh, a digital platform, and they often specify one that they work with exclusively. So they learn the ins and the outs of it, and they really know how to monetize their skill. Um, and you you can see, you know, uh, while they are they are in essence used interchangeably, you know, there is that sort of nuance of like how they're seeking the work that that can uh, sometimes be called out as a difference. So, how many workers are involved in this gig economy or making a living, either part time or full time, through independent work? We hear so much that it's on the rise. What's the data around gig work? Yeah, so uh, we uh, are seeing almost thirty percent of the population participating in some form of gig work, mm-hmm. and we do see predictions 
predictions from Upwork and Freelancers Union that by 2027, in just about 10 years, 50% of the population will be participating in some form of freelance work. And that doesn't mean that you give up your full-time job. That could mean that you do this for supplemental income because you might have a trip coming up or you might have had um, you know, uh, some sort of tragedy in your family that you need to earn additional income for. Um, or you might actually be looking to career change. So you're partaking in gig work to build up that resume so that when you feel that your resume can stand on its own, you can then pursue that uh, new career and direction. And while you've pointed out some of the benefits of gig work, there are also some concerns that folks have about um, the increasing numbers of participants in the gig economy, if there aren't benefits associated with these jobs, et cetera. Could you just talk a bit about um, both sort of the opportunities that gig work presents, but also maybe some of the ways it makes some workers more vulnerable than they might be if they were in traditional employment situations. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the positive. Um, it, you know, gig work is great. It's a great form of supplemental in- income, as I mentioned, um, skills building, confidence building. It allows people flexibility, so depending on their arrangement, it might allow them to uh, go to school during the day and supplement income by partaking in gig work. Um, Some of the real challenges to those engaging in freelance work are really about the classification of workers. So um, what we see and what we really, from a policy standpoint, want to push forward is anti-discrimination protections against independent workers, which sounds like the craziest thing, like how can you discriminate against somebody. But in truth, there's not legislation currently that protects independent workers from Mm. anti-discrimination. Further, minimum wage. We would love to see a guaranteed minimum wage. And we are seeing, you know, some things move forward when you look at some of the um, app-based transportation companies like Uber and Lyft that are guaranteeing a minimum for their drivers. Um, And we would like to see that uh, across all independent workers, that there's something that they can depend on. Um, And then, as you so um, aptly mentioned, is the benefits. So we believe very much in coming up with a system for portable benefits. So it's not tied to your job. Um, I think what we'll see is when people don't have that same um, element of dependency on their job, they actually are more willing to maybe engage in independent work and truly find their passion because mm-hmm. that's another you know benefit to independent work. You get to be your own boss, you get to follow your passion, and um, you really get to be uh, responsible for your your own destiny. That's that's great. Thank you for helping put uh, put this work in context. Um, let's talk a little bit about young people and the gig economy. What do we know about um, the ways that young people are engaging in uh, independent independent work? We see that actually 47% of millennials are currently working in a gig capacity. So they're actually ahead of the national trend that we're anticipating yes, in a few exactly. years. exactly. And we see that also in terms of our participants. Um, the majority of our participants are aged 18 to 44. Um, so we're definitely seeing millennials and Gen Xers, um, the majority in our um, you know, training programs. And in addition to, uh, that's what the research states overall, that that's the population uh, that is very much engaging. And I think it should probably come as no surprise there, you know, there's a tech savvy component to gig work now. um, And I think that there's this real um, drive that we're seeing um, and how that's changing, how people both look for work and how people get work, um, even how people look to find work to help with the situation if you're catering a party and you need chairs moved. Um, I think we're seeing very much how technology is really helping. um, And there are certainly benefits to that when, when 
when we look at uh, the populations that we're trying to serve. Mm. Do you see any trends in how young people are using gig work? Is it more to supplement income, to pursue a passion as a way to pay for school or even to, to gain work experience if they hope later to be in traditional employment? Well, Lisa, you answered it I all. Answered it. Yeah. <laughs> it is all of those. Um, and we, you know, um, our, our uh, population that we serve, we certainly serve um, the majority is in that 18 to 24 range. So 50% of our students who've gone through the program. And we definitely see that it's often to help with um, either finishing school or a training program that they're in um, and really to build the portfolio of experience because a lot of the work that they're going into, um, think particularly freelance work around creative industries, mm-hmm. you really need to develop a portfolio. And while you might want to just mock up websites that you're designing in your head, it's really key to have clients that can you know, provide you with that experience and really um, allow you to build your, your portfolio. So it certainly has a very real place. Um, and I think you know, what we're seeing, you know, as the trends are saying that you know, 50% of the, the workforce will be partaking in um, freelance work in some capacity in, ten, in the next 10 years, um, I think a large portion of those will, will be the younger generations mm. for sure. So what is it that SAMA School does? How do you help people participate and navigate uh, this world. It sounds like there are lots of platforms to figure out, lots of skills you might need to have to be successful. What do you, how do you help people navigate this? Yes. So Sama School um, has been around for about five years. And we really came about um, because we saw this huge opportunity that the gig economy was presenting. And there was this whole population, um, that being low-income job seekers, who were not receiving the right skills training. And unfortunately, uh, government training programs don't provide training on the gig economy or freelance work. So we saw this huge gap of, you know, a population, particularly being, um, you know, low income population and maybe out of employment. Gig work is really great way to dip your toe into work again. It helps you build not only the skills, but the confidence. Um, And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that there is such a gap in where, you know, there's government funds around workforce development. So we saw this great opportunity to develop a program that really helps individuals understand the gig economy and ultimately finish the program knowing is it right for them and they know all of the implications from what is the time management and the financial implications and the tax Mm -hmm. obligation Mm -hmm. how are you developing your brand what are the right platforms for you what is your area of skill that you're trying to monetize and we really help them understand that even just the general basis of what is the gig economy because it's quite mystifying to some I mean we we're talking about it here today for a reason so um, for us we really want to educate them on understanding um, how to participate in it Um, and we have all sorts of tools and resources in addition to our eight-hour curriculum that we deliver through um, partnerships with other community-based organizations Mm -hmm. and national nonprofits. So we're layering it on top of a skills-based program and also providing access to our uh, content in a virtual component as well. Um, And then on top of that, um, continuing to provide resources. So everything from something that we call the Work Finder, which is a platform for individuals to understand which 
platforms they should look ah. at based on their their skill mm -hmm. um, to something we call the About Me Generator. So for all of these platforms, you have to have a portfolio. So mm -hmm. we really want to help them develop their personal brand and understand how do you position yourself. So somebody who's going to hire you to come in and fix their uh, you know computer at home um, looks at you and 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 wants to hire you. And mm -hmm. how do you we you know position in a way that you're really showing off your skills? So mm -hmm. we came up with something called this About Me Generator. So you say a few things and it really helps you develop this portfolio or rather this profile, profile um, and uh, really understand how you can position yourself um, to potential um, you know gig contracts that's interesting so the core program is eight hours yes. and what kinds of it it helps you sort of take the range of what even might my talent be mm -hmm. <laughs> that I could uh, that could do to what's the right platform how do I generate this but you said there's also online content what else do you help people? try to understand. Yeah, so we do have, as I mentioned, the eight-hour um, more intensive curriculum. We also have online um, something called the Gig Economy Essentials. Um, I encourage anyone who wants to learn a little bit more um, to check it out. It's for free um, and it's an hour long. Um, and we also then really are committed to providing uh, a community for our alumni. So those that go through our program, one of our, you know, commitments um, as a team is really to continue to provide them with the support and mentorship so they feel confident to try a gig and to continue to try gigs and really to develop their portfolio uh, in a way that allows them to, if it is seek full-time employment, that they're then on the path to do that, or if it's to develop their own business and become an entrepreneur, that this is allowing them to achieve their career dreams. So as I recall, your focus is on low-income workers. Is there something specific about your curriculum or your content that you think is um, targets that population or specifically serves that population? How do you think it's different than maybe other uh, consulting-type training that uh, people may have access to? Yeah, so we try to meet people where they are. Um, and I think for us, we've done a lot of research and when we were developing our curriculum is trying to understand what is the barrier for low-income workers on participating in the gig economy. And so much of it is that they don't even know about it and they don't even know how to uh, position themselves or they don't even know what skill they have that's monetizable. I mean, everything from walking a dog to doing someone's laundry to more specialized things around IT are all things that you can actually get paid for. And I think that some of it is a, is a true education piece. Um, and I think a lot of the time when we're dealing with the population that we are, they've unfortunately suffered from challenges with unemployment. They tend to have, you know, household incomes that are, you know, 50% of those who've gone through our program are under $24,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So we're really dealing with people who don't have consistent uh, career track records. They've been unemployed for, you know, nine months or longer. And for us, allowing them to understand that they can still have a skill that they can position that can give them work, that can allow them to have economic mobility, that that's really incredibly empowering. And, you know, in addition to the real skills around understanding client and customer service and understanding the different platforms, and as I mentioned, the financial implications and taxes, you know, it is also, it's a component of developing someone's confidence mm -hmm. that they are, you know, they believe that they're able to monetize a skill that they've discovered that they have. Um, and I think that's, you know, really at the core of what Sama School is trying to do and mm -hmm. really finding the right partners to, to implement and create the most impact as we can. You know, when we've talked to young people, they've expressed lots of interest in 
um, entrepreneurship and um, these kinds of independent opportunities, do you find that they are more often thinking of them as pathways to permanent employment? Or do you see a growth in interest in really being entrepreneurs long term in younger people? Yeah, well, geez, I guess I should probably share. Right before I joined Sama School, I was with an organization called NIFTY, the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. So um, I would say uh, anecdotally, I think that, you know, entrepreneurship is is alive and well and here to stay. And, and seeing youth from my experience of that organization really uh, get behind creating incredible business ideas and, you know, innovation around their startups and such. Um, and I think what we're seeing in the population that we serve is that there's definitely a real interest in being their own boss. Mm -hmm. And I think that as, you know, people continue to understand what their skill is, absolutely we can see that there are folks who are really going to truly turn it into a business. Um, One of our alum that I just recently met with um, really was this incredible uh, individual. He, you know, had, had gotten his IT certifications and was also a photographer and was truly epitomizing the hustle of how do you do it all and how do you find your passion and how do you ensure that, you know, that you can do that and you allow your space to do that. And I think, you know, in seeing that in one of our alum, it's something that you want to see everyone and have that experience and have that sort of magical moment. When you talked a bit about your partners, one of the partners you mentioned are workforce development agencies that haven't always had um, skills or programs to focus more on entrepreneurial opportunities than traditional employment. Talk a bit about how you're helping um, traditional public agencies reimagine what kinds of services they need to offer to their clients. That is such a great question and, and so important to the success of Sama School. We've been very lucky to have really strong partnerships with um, the San Francisco Bay Area Workforce Development Board in addition to New York City. And, you know, that has really, I think, truly allowed us to be impactful in those two geographies. Um, and to date, we've been able to serve over 2,200 um, individuals directly in those two geographies. And for us to really expand, um, we really need to educate people on the importance and the benefits. And we certainly do understand that gig work is not for all. And we will always advocate for the gold standard, which is a full-time job with benefits and that safety net. We also understand that that's not possible for everyone. And it may be because of lack of a skill set. It may be due to circumstance. And we should just live in a way in which we're supporting people so that they can achieve um, employment. And if that means it's gig work versus full-time employment, um, this is something that we really need to get, uh, you know, training and government agency behind because the gig economy is here to stay. And I think it is a real opportunity for those who are uh, facing barriers to employment. And I think we see that is often the case with uh, low-income job seekers, that in addition to their poverty, there's a whole host of issues that are surrounding them. And, you know, for us, again, that that sort of magic sauce of providing someone confidence to believe in themselves and to start trying to work again and to kind of get out of the cycle and to be able to, you know, really uh, understand what their potential is, um, is a real powerful thing. And and we need government to get behind it as well. So you're saying openness to agencies and doing more of this work. I think it's, it's, wildly important for us to to understand that what how technology is going to change the workforce and how we really it doesn't have to be a disruptor in creating massive unemployment it can actually create employment opportunity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we really should be looking at um, you know updating the training that mm-hmm. is offered um, through uh, government agencies to to include that for independent workers because we know that people want to do this they just don't know how and uh, knowledge is power so let's let's show them the way 
that's great. Um, Going back to sort of the individual perspective on this, do you have uh, suggestions or advice for folks when they are um, looking to get a job and interested in gig work? What advice do you give them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if they haven't uh, heard of Sama School before, I definitely encourage people to take a look at the resources we have. Um, as I mentioned, we have a one-hour course so people can really understand very quickly if this is something that they would want to participate in. Um, certainly, if you'd like to participate in a longer one of our eight-hour courses or a workshop, um, we're absolutely happy to connect you to a program partner that's that we're, where we're delivering it personally personally. Um, and then, of course, all of the other resources that will give you a sense of what to expect. Um, for those who really want to understand it from an impact and policy side, we do have uh, a three-part uh, white paper series that's really addressing the future of work and very much the role that the independent and freelancer are going to play in shaping the future. So um, depending on your interest, we've got lots of great resources on our website. Um, and by all means, if any questions from the listeners, please uh, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to answer to them. Great. Um, so we've talked about workforce development agencies, but let's talk a bit about cities. What are cities doing in order to um, facilitate independent work in their communities, and what are employers doing? Well, I'd, I'd say I can draw from our experience with both um, San Francisco Bay Area and New York City, um, both very innovative in their approach and really supportive of this sort of training. And I think that that's the sort of commitment uh, cities need to have, is really providing training that's meeting your unemployed or underemployed population where they need to be met and understanding what their needs are. And I think it's very clear that for low-income job seekers, it's not as easy to just get a full-time job when you have these other challenges. And they may not have the skill set, and they may not have the ability to go and take a course to develop that skill set. But an eight-hour program is actually quite digestible. Um, and I think what we would love to see is um, really workforce development boards around the country understanding um, more and really committing um, both funds and programmatic focus um, to training around uh, the gig economy. You know, it seems like because people are using digital platforms that um, it gives workers an opportunity to access markets beyond the place where they live. If they're doing creative work, they could literally be serving someone anywhere in the world. Do you see rural communities thinking about how gig work can help employ some of their um, residents who, who might not have access to the kinds of job markets that exist in big cities like New York and San Francisco? That is a great question. When we actually started, uh, we tried to pilot in a remote area of Arkansas. Hmm. And what we found that was a real challenge is for highly for remote gig work, you have to be highly specialized in a skill. Higher skilled jobs. So mm -hmm. that's where the challenge is, is that mm -hmm. there isn't the sort of concentration of the sort of task-oriented um, gigs that we see in, in cities. Um, and again, that's everything from Uber to, you know, TaskRabbit and, and others. Um, and I think what we... Um, I think what's interesting, though, in, in looking at the rural population is it may not be they may not have the demand for the drivers. I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania and Uber is not there yet. And I live in New York City. So <laughs> it is one of those, um, you know, things you, you do see it. It takes time. And, and sometimes it's because it's not the right fit. Um, but for rural communities, I think for us, it is really trying to figure that out in a, in a, in a way in which 
those who do have a skill are able to connect. I think there will always be the challenge of some of the the demand has to be there in order for some of these gigs to to actually be warranted. Um, and just by the sheer um, concentration of population, it's it's a little more challenging in these in these rural areas. Mm. So as uh, independent work grows, are there things we need to be thinking about? Um, not just sort of the training for folks, but are there infrastructure things, um, sort of the technology or or other um, mechanisms we need to be thinking about as more and more people join this kind of work? How do we plan for this future where nearly half of workers are going to be engaged in some form of independent work? Yeah, I think all of that. I think definitely there there needs to be an investment um, in infrastructure, and I think certainly um, you know cybersecurity as well. I think mm-hmm. a lot of one of the big things is when you're either you know looking for someone to help out with um, you know a, a task oriented request, or you are the gig worker. In both, you're sharing information, and um, you know I think that you know unfortunately as we see um, on an all too often basis, there's data breaches. So I think absolutely mm-hmm. you know the investment um, in cybersecurity and and the technology infrastructure for that, um, you know, of course, in more remote areas, you know, making sure that they actually have the, you know, the Wi-Fi and the bandwidth ability mm-hmm. so that people can actually get to the platforms mm-hmm. to, you know, position themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's certainly some real um, components to think about. Um, and I would say probably top of the list, um, you know, to me is, is certainly cybersecurity when we're thinking about mm-hmm. um, the vulnerability of, of people's information being being on these platforms. So what do you think's the future of SAMA School? Where are you guys heading? next oh what a great question well we're headed around the world um, we we very much um, you know we were uh, started here um, in the US in San Francisco and expanded into New York and we're very much looking to expand into other geographies here um, in the United States and also bring our global freelance training program to other geographies. Um, we have had some uh, projects in East Africa, um, and we're certainly um, looking uh, at working more closely with some refugee populations, um, given some uh, grant partnerships that we have, and really trying to understand what the gig economy means for folks all around the world. Uh, we see what it means here in the U.S., um, and there's a lot of learnings from that, and I think what we're excited about is really exploring other ways in which we can really mobilize individuals um, around the gig economy and educate them um, and, and base that on where they are. So um, I think it's uh, it's a really exciting opportunity for Sama School. Well, thank you. We are delighted to be in partnership with you. Really excited to see the innovative ways that you're helping, particularly public workforce development agencies, expand the kind of offerings that they can give residents. Um, we know that children succeed when they grow up in economically stable families. And so the work that you're doing to help low-income people um, better understand and better access opportunities for gig work we think can only help make families stronger in the future. So thank you so much for what you are doing. Absolutely. And I should probably shamelessly plug that our 2017 participants reported those that uh, participated um, in gig work an increase in supplemental income of $1,800 or more. Mm. which is quite substantial and actually in, uh, represented 70% of their overall income. So um, for those who are uh, have an appetite for it, we mm. will educate on how to participate and 
will show you the way to really find that um, economic mobility. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your work, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us as well. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, please rate our show on Apple Podcasts to help others find us. You can ask questions and leave us feedback on Twitter by using the KCCast hashtag. To learn more about Casey and the work of our guests, you can find our show notes at aecf.org forward slash podcast. Until next time, I wish all of America's kids and all of you a bright future.